2: For a hotline. Alicia? Michael?
0: What's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant
3: line, raid line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game?
1: Can
2: I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can
3: I blame Bob Connolly for this? Could I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch. Claw. Up against the wall. Can't explain it, what I'm feeling right now, guys. I can't believe it. Let's open up that raid line! Woohoo!
0: Oh, I can't believe USD has hired Lincoln Riley. Oh, yeah. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Reign of Troy Radio, episode 447, coming to you on Wednesday, September 21st. Of course, it is the 21st night of September, and I could go into those lyrics, but I'm not. Uh, As always, we're going to look back I uh, look forward to USC's uh, game on Saturday. USC and Oregon State locking horns up at Reeser Stadium in Corvallis. We're going to take your questions, preview the game, and so much more. As always, feel, feel free to follow us on social media. We're at Reign of Troy on Twitter and Facebook. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. But most importantly, right here on YouTube if you're watching us live. Be sure to sk- click the subscribe button and also like the stream helps grow the show tremendously. Our email address, of course, is ReignOfTroy at com. I'm your host, Michael Castillo. You can follow me on Twitter at MichaelCastFS. And I'm joined along with my wonderful co-host, Penguin of Twitter on Twitter. <laughs> Penguin of Twitter on Twitter. Penguin of Troy on Twitter, Alisa Daratol.
3: Yeah, I'm not quite Penguin of Twitter, but uh, one day maybe I'll get that big. <laughs> uh, yeah. Hello, everybody. Uh, Also, if you're listening on a podcast catcher or anything like that, do us a solid and head over to YouTube and subscribe anyway. Even if you plan to listen to the show through your normal Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast catcher that you use, Spotify, whatever it is, we really, really appreciate you. We love you, but also do us a solid, go to YouTube, subscribe. We're trying to grow our, our fan base over there, grow our subscriber base over there. And the more people who are subscribed to us, the more people we can be exposed to, to have other people subscribe to us. So um, if you would do that, we would love you forever. And that would be really, really, really cool.
0: Yeah. As one of the priests I had growing up would say forever and ever. Yes. I always love that. Uh, let's let's talk about... Uh, before we get into anything we, we were having a, a debate uh first of all if you watched our last show on uh monday night uh the end of the of the monday night pod where it was our fresno state wrap-up we we're going through our rundown and, and of mailbag questions and we got a question about us talking about off-topic stuff and we talked about how we try to put that towards the end of the episode because that's usually what people um sort of it tends to be what people like at the end because that way people who don't like it can sort of tune out at that point uh, and so forth. Slight exception. I'm going to break that rule <laughs> right now because we were just having this conversation before we started rolling. And if we don't have it now, I'm going to forget it. You were on the TikToks and you saw a TikTok that said, if you had one lasagna, one frozen lasagna, and you put a second frozen lasagna on top of it, would you have one or two lasagnas?
3: Well, it was really if you cooked two lasagnas and then took one of the lasagnas and put it on top of the other other lasagna. Yes. Would you have one lasagna or two lasagnas? And I am very firmly in the camp of you have two lasagnas stacked. The analogy I used is if you cook two pancakes and then take one of those pancakes and put it on top of the other to create a stack of pancakes like the one I got from Norm's the other day. I have a stack of pancakes. I do not have a single pancake that is, you know, two layers high. I have two pancakes. So if you are cooking a lasagna that is in its own container that is cooked that way, and then you are removing it from that and stacking it on top of something else, you have a stack of lasagnas. Uh,
0: And I said that's a terrible analogy because pancakes are meant to be stacked. Lasagna in itself is a stack of pasta. But that's what it it is. It's It's like a, it's like a casserole stack. Yes, but a casserole. So if you add two of them, you just have one lasagna. It just has, it's the layers are slightly different than normal, but it's still one lasagna. No, it's two lasagnas. It's one lasagna. And then on top of this, you said your, your other analogy was analogy
3: was well because you said, well, but a pancake is like a one thing thing. Like the lasagna is like a layered thing. Yes. And I'm like, that's fine. If you took, if you gave me two burgers, and I took one of those burgers and just sat it right on top of the other burger, and then tried to take a bite of that thing, of the I of would, the two, I would, would not two be taking a, I would not be taking a bite of of one cheeseburger. I'm yes, taking a bite of a stack of of burgers. Like it's 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 two cheeseburgers. No, it's that two that cheeseburgers. One. Yeah, it's two cheeseburgers that have been stacked on that top have of each other. One. No, 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 it's not one it's cheeseburger. One. Yes, <laughs> <It's>, it is <laughs> it's
0: okay. two cheeseburgers. When you order a Big Mac at McDonald's. Do they say, here's your one and a half burgers? No. They say, here's your burger.
3: Yeah, but you're ordering a because Big Mac. You are ordering a Big Mac. That that burger is designed as it is with an extra bun in the middle. The bun is part of the layering of that burger. Yes,
0: and that's what the two hamburgers no, on top of each other would be. because two
3: hamburgers eat. are their own separate entity. The Big Mac is not two hamburgers stacked on top of each other. The Big Mac is a bottom bur- a bottom bun, a patty, a middle bun, a patty, and then a bun top. What we're talking about right here is you're taking it's an, it's an extra bun. Patty, bun, bottom bun, patty, bun. You're making two burgers. It's, it's two burgers that have been stacked.
0: It it's it's one thing.
3: It's two. It's one thing. It's two.
0: <sighs> Anyways. <laughs>
3: Uh, <laughs> this is what her apartment sounds like. 90% I, I, I know. <laughs> uh,
0: let's look at the chat. E Castro says one lasagna with lots of layers. Yes, thank uh, you. Cameron comes in with two
3: lasagnas. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Steve, Steve Unger tries to say you take a you take a two layer cake on top of. Oh, it moved. Uh, put, put a two layer cake on top of another and you have one tall cake. No, exactly. No. exactly. Steve has it. Exactly. No, right. no, exactly. Because, right. Because what you have when you're layering a cake, you have your cake layers that you have cooked in, um, in their pans or whatever, and then process together in a way that you're going to layer your cake. So when you <laughs> layer a cake, for instance, you do cake and then you do layer frosting to stick and then cake, and then layer frosting to stick, and then cake. And then, when you are completing said cake, you take your frosting and you go around it and you do a full round layer of frosting. If you did that to two different cakes, you do cake completed and cake completed, and then took that other cake and stuck it on top of the other cake, you would have two cakes stacked on top of each other. They are two <laughs> completed cakes that have been stacked. Uh,
0: it, the correct answer is uh, one cake, one lasagna, and. <laughs> Tim in the chat says, I agree with Alicia, but my Italian wife says one big lasagna. Uh, then it sounds like a messy endeavor. Just get a deeper pan and make it with more layers. No, Tim, that's, fair. that's I agree. fair. Yeah,
3: Tim. Exactly. If you wanted a taller lasagna, then get a deep enough lasagna pan to make it happen. Like
0: Yes. Cemetery is exactly right. I agree with Michael because lasagna in in of itself... It's a layered dish, which means if you stack it, it becomes more layers, so it can't pick a side.
3: But he started that by saying, I'm cursed to understand both sides of the story, because she is right that if you take one <laughs> thing out of its container, <laughs> put it on top of another thing, then you get two lasagnas. Racer X says two lasagnas. Thank you, guys. All right. It's two lasagnas. And there's nothing wrong with that. If you want to eat two lasagnas stacked on top of each other, I'm not going to stop you. Just don't tell me it's one lasagna. <laughs>
0: All right. The, the one thing is for sure: there's one football game on Saturday, UFC and Oregon State, and this is a preview pod. <laughs> so let's get into that before, we're, before we start
3: <laughs> getting in trouble,
0: hemorrhaging uh, our, our
3: viewers. Yeah, our, our viewers here.
0: But um, thanks as as always for everyone hopping in the chat and everything. And again, be sure to like and subscribe us here on YouTube uh, and wherever you get our pod. Uh, Alicia, there is a lot of news to get to, so let's just start right there. Alicia, well, you know the only good thing about football season being over?
3: There's literally nothing good about the football season being over. It's just an endless wait until the fall.
0: See, that's where you're wrong. It's tournament season. The best way to take your mind off the endless wait.
3: That is true. I may not want to watch the men play, but the USC women are pretty awesome. Exactly, but it's not just SC. There's high-stake basketball moments all over the country. But you know what? They get even better with prize picks. So you're saying the only thing better than watching Juju Watkins is taking the more on Juju Watkins?
0: Bingo. You can now turn your hoop's knowledge and love of Juju Watkins into serious cash. Because you can now win up to 100 times your money on prize picks with as little as four correct picks. Turn ten bucks into a thousand bucks with college basketball, NBA, and NHL entries. Best of all, PrizePix lets you get on the action on more than thirty states across the country, including Texas, Georgia,
1: and
3: California. That sounds pretty good to me.
0: Yeah, download the app today use the code Reign of Troy for a first
3: deposit match up to one hundred dollars. That's the PrizePix app with the code Reign of Troy for the first deposit match of up, up to one hundred dollars. Pick more, pick less. It's that
0: easy. Begin with the breaking news that USC is down a man uh, at wide receiver, and that is Gary Bryant Jr. He was announced yesterday uh, that he is going to be redshirting. This is an interesting development. I mean, going into the season, we talked about it. Where was Gary Bryant Jr. going to fit in relation to everybody else? Because there's a lot of dudes. There's a lot of dudes in USC's receiving core. Uh, There's Jordan Addison and. Uh, and Mario Williams and uh, Terrell Bynum and Taj uh, Washington and 80 other different dudes on this roster, and where were they all going to fit in relative uh, in relation to each other? And Gary Bryant Jr. is now redshirting after three games. Um, Alicia, what what does this mean if you're if you're redshirting at this point? What what what,
3: what does that mean? Well, obviously he wants to. Um, to preserve a year of his eligibility, so that's that's the the sort of black and white of it he wants to preserve a year of his eligibility now the question is why does he want to preserve a year of his eligibility and that could have um you know several different answers he could um have something going on in his personal life that that he needs to put more focus in than um than than football uh he could have something um he he could be injured and we don't know about it and he needs to protect his eligibility because of an injury. Um I think a lot of people are on on social media and elsewhere are also considering the possibility that he could be intending to transfer. He hasn't gotten a lot of looks in the first 3 games. Uh certainly ha- we saw him on special teams, I think uh, not, uh, against Fresno State, but not a ton elsewhere. He's clearly pretty low on the pecking order of the receivers. So he could be redshirting with an eye on transferring and having an extra year to work with um, at whatever school he might end up at at next. So uh, the transfer question is going to be one that we won't get an immediate answer to because the new NCAA regulations have created transfer portal windows. And I believe the first one opens in December. So he will... Have to sort of sit tight here until uh, until we we get to December and then we find out um, is there a possibility of him still staying at USC or is this pretty much done and he's going to consider his options um, elsewhere? So that's that's where USC's at with him, which is a little. I mean, if that's the case, it's a bummer because you want to see yeah. guys succeed. Um, uh, you know, but uh, and we've talked about how USC's going to be losing Jordan Addison and. I believe Tyrell Bynum is, well, is also only has the one year of eligibility. So the receiving core will take some hits next season, and there will be more openings for players to uh, contribute. But we don't know what his what his deal is, or don't want to speculate too much, and we'll basically just uh, see where he goes.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it all comes together. Uh, Gary Bryan Jr. had a lot of hope for uh, this season um, won't be the case now that he's redshirting, but you can know, always remember the big plays that uh, that he put together. SC beats UCLA in 2020 because Gary Bryant Jr. had that long uh, return to set up the, the final touchdown. So uh, remember that, if anything, uh, about Gary Bryant Jr. at this point. So we'll see more as it goes on. There is other news to talk about, including injuries Uh, We got a little bit of an injury update, not only about SC, but Oregon State, too. Both teams going into the game on Saturday Uh, for the Trojans. Let's start talking about Relique Brown, um, USC's running back who got banged up after the Rice game. He, He has played in the two subsequent games against Stanford and Fresno State. But Lincoln Riley said that Relique Brown will have a, quote, significant role once he's fully back from the ankle injury last two weeks really in the run game have all been about travis die and austin jones
3: yeah so i think this one is is telling because you know you have to take whatever injury news injury updates you can get from lincoln riley at this point and the fact that he's talking about how Riley brown will have a significant role down the line says everything about where Relique is in terms of the injury and how he's feeling so clearly the step back in touches for him has been more injury-related than pecking order-related. And when we start to see really Brown take the field and get more of a focal point role in this offense is basically when we will know that he is 100% fully healed up from that injury. So for now, that sort of tracks with what I had been, had been thinking. And I think that uh, it's a situation where he did have an ankle injury. And uh, from my experience with uh, with watching football over the years, Guys who have ankle injuries, whether they're sprains or strains or, you know, twists or whatever, it usually takes, you know, a handful of weeks before you start to see them looking like their old selves. So we're now, what, how many, uh, two and a half weeks out Yeah. from that first injury? Game, I would expect another couple of weeks before yeah. he really gets uh, gets back to going. And I support the idea of, of uh, maybe, you know, not trying to pressure him too much. Ideally, for me, if he can be a game breaker for USC by the time the Utah game rolls around, then things will have gone really well in terms of uh, getting him ready to go.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. It, it it helps here that SCS, Travis Die and Austin Jones,
3: yeah, who have looked who, have looked who, great. who sort I mean, of We made... talked
0: about it last week, right? Yeah, this this past uh, podcast that they were they averaged nine and a half yards on first down.
3: Yeah they they've made it very easy to not that you would forget about really Brown but very easy to not be panicking about like oh no yeah. USC really needs really Brown back right now that's not the pressure because Die and Jones look so good that um you know you, you I think I think what this really means is we have something really exciting to look forward to in a couple weeks when when he gets full go because he was very exciting to watch in that first game yeah uh it's just sort of like you know, raising the anticipation here.
0: Yeah, 100%. Uh, The run game was super heavy for USC in the second half against Fresno State, in part because of injuries at left tackle. Bobby Haskins started. He was, a big reason why he was starting was because Cortland Ford was out. Uh, But Haskins had to leave the game at one point. Mason Murphy came in. Well, we've got an update from Lincoln Riley that both of them were full participants on Tuesday ahead of the Oregon State game. So that looks good for SC because you need to have everybody ready for a big road test uh, like is on the docket this week in Corvallis.
3: Yeah, players who don't practice often don't play. And the fact that they are practicing doesn't guarantee that they will be good to go come Saturday, but it certainly is a step in the right direction, certainly is cause for uh, taking a, a sigh of relief and saying, okay, so the the worst case scenario that we talked about on Monday about, well, what do you do if neither of those guys are available? Do you move Andrew Voorhees over or Jonah Monheim over? Do you go full in with Mason Murphy? All of those sort of uh, scenarios that we had to discuss. I think you can sort of put those on the back burner and trust that one of those two guys, if not both, will be able to suit up and and play for USC. And and that's a huge, huge plus going into a game that, you know, we're going to talk about it later But this game is very much going to come down to those kinds of uh, areas of the game where Oregon State needs to create some chaos and USC needs to limit the the chaos in this game. And having the left tackle position be up in the air would certainly be a potential chaos uh, area for USC to have to worry about. And uh, so that's a big, big plus to have this news coming out of Tuesday practice at least.
0: Yeah, 100%. Uh, Let's talk about the Beavers' injuries. Uh, Tight end Luke Musgrave is going to be out. He's been a big proponent, a component of the Beaver offense this far. Uh, Led the team with five catches for 80 yards against Fresno State in their win a couple weeks ago. So far this season, 11 catches, 169 yards, and a touchdown out of the tight end position. Really came on big later in the year last year. Uh, in the, the game that is no longer called the Civil War, and I don't know what they're calling it at this point, uh, against Oregon, seven catches, 85 yards, uh, and a touchdown. So any uh, anytime that you can avoid not having to play a big stud at tight end, uh, that is a benefit for SC, but obviously you want Oregon State at, at full strength nonetheless.
3: Yeah, so he missed the Montana State game as well. But in those first two games, he was absolutely a critical part of their offense. And his backup, Jake Overman, um, is a guy that, that will have a lot of questions around him. He, he, I believe he played against Montana state, didn't have a catch. They ended up start, he didn't start. They ended up starting three, three wide receivers. And then Jack Coletto, the linebacker, all purpose running back, former quarterback guy ended up starting that game. So it could be a situation where they might rely less on the tight end because he's not there than if than if Luke musgrave was in there to give them that option they're gonna have to get a little bit more creative unless they were maybe just sort of holding back and and want to unleash jake overman on on u s c uh coming up uh, this week. you never know they were playing an f c s school although albeit you know a good one so um that's uh that's something to keep an eye on.
0: Yeah, Jake Overman, two career catches. Uh one in twenty twenty, the COVID season, and one in twenty twenty two, uh, which is last week against Montana State. So uh yeah, we'll, we'll see how, how that comes together uh in the passing game for uh Chase Nolan and the beeves Uh the the other um injury guy to note is running back Trey Lowe. What's up with Trey Lowe over at uh Oregon
3: State. Yeah, he also missed the Montana game. He also, uh, according to Jonathan Smith, will not be in this game. He's he's actually, if I remember correctly, he's only played one game this year. Uh, he was the third leading rusher for Oregon State last year. So definitely a guy that um, they would like to have to beef up their, rece- their, their running back core. The good thing for Oregon State is that they do have the running backs that have sort of gotten them here through three games. They have Deshaun Fenwick and Damian Martinez. So it's hard to say how much of a of a miss it is for them to not have Trelow. Right, uh, but uh, but certainly one less weapon for them on the ground is one less weapon for USC to worry about on the ground.
0: Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Let's get into talk about this game Saturday Saturday night six thirty p.m. on the Pac twelve Network. Uh, it is going to be a interesting game, Razor stadium getting renovated it's like at
3: minimum capacity at this point I think, I think it's, it's twenty five thousand, which is half yeah. i think their capacity was somewhere between forty five and and fifty thousand in yeah. the past they
0: they redid the the one side of it uh what was that like fifteen years ago I remember for the two thousand six game it was it was fully remodeled that one side. They're now doing the press box side of the stadium. Uh, so the press box is going to be, from the pictures I saw, it looks like those those modules that were um, like containers, like Connex boxes um, that were at the Coliseum for mm-hmm. the uh, 2018 season. Uh, like those are going to be in the same situation. where, Like that's going to be like a temporary press box and the whole press box side of the Research Stadium is getting completely rebuilt, so uh, it's going to be interesting from that perspective. No word on the fog either, um, but this is this is a battle that is easily the best game in the Pac-12 this week. USC and Oregon State, of course, it's on the Pac-12 network. We <laughs> talked about it at length last week. Of course, yep. uh, it's for contractual reasons. You can only have three games on. Um, you have to have at least three games on the Pac-12 network, uh, and so for each team and ESPN and Fox are kind of waiting to uh, they, they want to hold off and, and have their maximize their USC games later on in the season, which is why they passed on this one. Even though Oregon state is three and zero, they look really good. They've played against Boise state, Fresno state uh, and Montana state who is the number four team in the country in FCS. So, that is not a fake FCS team. That is not a pushover. That is not like playing the Citadel uh, or inserts. Um, any other FCS school Mercer college that you want to besmirch. Like Montana state is a legitimate uh, elite team at the FCS level. So three, three teams, three big wins. Oregon state's schedule in general is like the first six games are insane. I think they play um, Utah next week. like, it is a murderer's row and they've started off three and O uh, and look really good with that uh, chance. Mm-hmm. No line quarterback.
3: Yeah. Th- this team is the ultimate sort of mid tier PAC 12 team. Um, this is the, that you and I were talking with, uh, with our buddy Kenny and I think Saman was involved in the conversation too about like, how would you rank the tiers in the PAC 12 right now? And you sort of have your USC's and Utah's and your Oregon's and Washington's. And then like, I think Washington State and Oregon State are both in the similar boat. They're good teams. Are they teams that are actually capable of contending for the Pac-12 title? And there'd be a lot of doubt on that front. But uh, but Oregon State is a good team. I think. I think it's safe to say they're still a program with natural limitations. I think, which might explain why Jonathan Smith hasn't like broken through for the ten win season that we saw Mike Riley able to do on occasion, but it was, it was really occasions. So that's the the tricky thing about this team when you're evaluating them is they're good. Are they great? I I think you'd need time to sort of have them prove that to you. Uh, But it's, it's still, there's a reason, you know, people keep talking about and, and, Richard in the chat is saying, "I've been hearing on the radio, Twitter, every news outlet that that da- Oregon State is a dangerous contender. In my opinion, USC is going to slaughter the Beavers. I think that the reason you're hearing people talk about Oregon State as a danger to USC is because, and I think we've talked about this on a previous show, they're a good team and they will be at home. And the way the recipe for upsets usually begin with a good or decent team at home." Yeah. And I think that that is really the trick here is you cannot take a team like Oregon state lightly. That doesn't mean that you should lose to Oregon state. You should still be able to beat Oregon state, but football is weird and these things happen. And this is why there's sort of an upset alerty sort of feel to this. And it's yeah. not just because of Corvallis, but certainly Corvallis plays a role. But again, why did USC lose to Oregon state in Corvallis when they lost to Oregon state in Corvallis as top 10 teams because again, it goes back to the formula for upsets. Mike Riley, his Oregon State teams were good slash decent well teams. Well coached. When you're at home, good teams at home pull off upsets. So the 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 equation, the formula is present for this game. So that's why we're gonna have to, you know, look at it from uh the 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 preview look at it from the the lens of yes, this is an upset worry game.
0: Yeah, 100%. And in college football, these are the games that elite teams uh, struggle in, right? Like the the tough road games. And if it was college basketball, you'd probably just assume this is going to be a loss, uh, given all those circumstances. It's not college basketball, it's football. Uh, and it's one of those things where you assume this might be difficult, but still would put your, your eggs in the basket of the better team, which is, I think we all agree at this point is USC, but... Mm-hmm. Oregon State looks like they're going to be a contender in the in the Pac twelve. I was going to say the Pac twelve North, but we know that there's no more divisions. But three and O, I, and I think a legitimate three and O team. Like mm-hmm. I said, like they, they this they is did not three
3: and beating cupcakes. They no they played, didn't take a week off. No, these are. I mean, even the FCS team that they played is not a a doormat of a team. Right. And then you're playing. You know, your G5 schools that you're playing are Boise State and Fresno State. Those are legitimate programs. Like
0: the two best G5s you could get. Yeah. Yeah. And and so uh they
3: played essentially
0: three Mountain West teams. And if we're going to say that that uh, that Montana State is worthy of being ranked, uh, worthy of being considered not just your your FCS pushover. And they scored 68 points against Montana State uh last week. But. You you look at Oregon State, and I'm trying to compare them to the last two opponents that SC has faced, Stanford uh, and Fresno State. And in a way, they're an amalgamation of both of them, but on the the, the best side of both of them, right? Like, we, we've talked about Stanford and how Stanford has just been up and down the last few years, particularly down, uh, weren't good last year, but they throttled SC and absolutely murdered SC. When you look at SC, last year was murdered by Oregon State just the same way, almost to a T, uh, if not more so, because SC didn't have the late rally attempt uh, against Oregon State like they did against Stanford, sort of, kind of, in the, in the fourth quarter last year. Uh, and Oregon State is going to beat you w- with the ground game. They're going to be able to have a conservative passing game. It's not going to be as flashy as, say, Fresno State in the sense that Jake Hayner is, I think, a much better quarterback than than Chance Nolan is. Um, and you look at the numbers that that bears out when you look at Nolan's sixty two point seven completion percentage. Not the same as Jake Hayner. Um, he's thrown two interceptions so far this year. Uh, Jake Hayner had zero going into the game last year, last week. So, like, this is a situation where I think the star players individually might not be on the level as the Jake Hayner was, but collectively, I think Oregon state's a better team than Fresno state. Collectively, Oregon state is a much better team than Stanford and SC gets them on the road. All, t- all told with, all- with everything there, this is the game you worry about. And this is the game why in the beginning of the season, I predicted SC to lose. And I want to say is your was your predicted first loss of the season for SC at, at Oregon
3: State? Yeah, yeah, my prediction yeah. was. So both the of first us predicted State. Yeah.
0: going into the season that this would be the loss. Well, here we are through three games, three and zero. Both teams. Do you feel the same the same way? But before we get into predictions, like, just do you feel the same way? Like this is a, a game that, um,
3: you feel the same way about that? I don't. My more. perception about this game has changed considerably. I was really looking at the Fresno State game as like the game that was going to lay the foundations for how I was going to look at the second phase of USC's season. And I just came away from the Fresno State game feeling impressed. Um, I've said all along that the offense is further along and more powerful even than I expected this early in the season. I thought that it would take them a little while to gel and they have not needed a second to gel. The the playmakers on this team are just even better than I imagined in the best-case scenario. Um, And then the, the, the situation with the defense, while nervy, while worrying, while the defense is certainly the reason why I will say that Oregon State has a chance in this game, I also think that what they were able to accomplish against Fresno State went a long way to to ease my mind a little bit about the defense. I think that Oregon state has a better offense than Fresno state, but not by that much. Like they're not, they don't outclass Fresno state in terms of what they do on offense. And I think that what we saw from the defense and what we have seen from them is getting better, even if it's marginally better week to week. So I'm going into this week four thinking, you know what? The defense is going to take another little nudge forward, maybe even a step forward and be able to, uh, be able to handle this Oregon State offense in a way that I I don't think that I would have been able to say that after the Rice game or even the the Stanford game. So I am feeling more comfortable about this game. When I say that I'm more comfortable at this game, that doesn't mean that I'm not still circling this as an upset special. I'm just a little less willing to pick the upset at this point. Sure.
0: Yeah. I think for for me, um, I talked about. All see all the preview about how I thought SC was going to have growing pains under Mike uh, Mike Riley uh, Lincoln Riley uh, at the beginning of the season, uh, and that they were going to get through those and be a very good team at the end of the season, um, and start off uh, with question marks, just like every team has when you bring in a new coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that defensively, you absolutely see those. There's absolutely question marks on this defense. They're not infallible. Um, and Alex Grinch as is, is the defensive coordinator through three games has not been perfect. Uh, and I wasn't expecting them to be perfect through three games, but I think they've, they've gotten slightly, you know, we've seen signs of improvement, particularly in the second halves of games, in each of those three games. And I think that through three games in year one of a new system is fine. I think that's totally fine. Offensively, SC is... Far way past what my expectations were for them to be in the first month of the season, and when you put that together, it, it gets to this situation where what is it going like? Last week, I think what impressed me the most about SC is that when the when everything wasn't going so perfectly on offense compared to how it was against Stanford, where it was the explosiveness of the offense and. They were driving down the field. You had the, the one-play, 75-yard drive, and the long pass to Jordan Addison. You weren't getting any of those last week. Fresno State's defensive game plan I thought was great. Kept everything in front of you. They dropped back. They, they tried to take away the deep ball, and they did that. And Estee really didn't take that many deep shots, right? They went more methodically. They had to kind of slow it down. They played a grinded-out game on offense, and you saw them win in a completely different way. And that to me is something we haven't seen in years. We haven't seen this like a, a USC team that has been able to go back and forth. We've seen grinded out USC offenses in the past decade, and we've seen explosive USC offenses in the in the past decade. We haven't seen a team that can go back and forth between weeks depending on the game. We've seen that so far this year, and I think that through three games in a, in a new system, I think that that is a sign of maturation that is telling. And I think that that is a reason why I think that it's super hard to say anything about SC that, it, it, like, it's super hard to legitimately say that they could lose any game when they have that ability. And at this point, you need to give them the benefit of the doubt, particularly on offense. It comes down to the defense. And when you look at everything, uh in terms of like available yards and available yards I talked about in our in our last episode um of course I'll explain it re- really quickly if you start at the 20 you have 80 available yards to gain uh and SC last last week was gaining 100% of those yards on offense routinely because they were touchdown drives um but they've given up a bunch of those yards defensively there's a reason now that SC is ranked fourth nationally in, in available yards on, Offensively, defensively, it's 80th, and you put those together and net off- available yards, SC is still 14th, and I think that them being 14th shows just how good the offense is in that net because the offense is that great that even it balances out, where the 80th ranked defense in available yards still nets out to 14th when you include the offense. Yeah, uh, and that balance for me makes it very difficult to pick against uh, SC in this, even if I think all the telling signs are if, if this was any team, you know, super objectively, you're not looking at, at the names of the teams and all that stuff. Like th- this feels like a game on the road where the, the three and O team that probably should be ranked. And they would be ranked if this was an SEC team, mm-hmm. by the way, the Oregon state was Kentucky. Mind you, Kentucky beat Florida, so take that for what it's worth. But yeah, if SEC, if Oregon State was in the SEC, they'd be ranked right now. They're Even not. If, I think but if, they should
3: if, be. If Oregon State was just not in the Pac-12 right now, they, I mean, they they should be ranked straight up. Right. If people were paying attention to Oregon State, if Oregon State was, if USC had had uh, swapped brands with Oregon State. And beat Boise State and Fresno State and Montana State as their first three games, the Oregon State's would be ranked under these circumstances. I, I sure. just think this is a this yeah. is Oregon State not getting respect, um, which is unfortunate because a ranked matchup. Go th- then you'd feel a little bit better about calling stuff upset special when or you know, number twenty five or twenty four Oregon State is where you, is who you're playing. Instead, you're playing a team that's getting votes in the polls but not getting. Uh, the, the the ranking in the poll that I think they deserve and won't get if they don't beat USC, but that's that's just that's just sort of part of it. But
0: yeah, I I, I think the we ag- I think we agree that the case for beating USC for any team at this point is to win in a shootout, um, because SC's offense theoretically at this point until proven wrong. Is too good not to at least get you to a shootout. But it's
3: a very particular kind of shootout. It's the same thing that I said about Fresno State. I don't think you can beat USC in a 65 to 55 shootout. Like if if you're scoring in the 50s or 60s or even 40s, you're you're in trouble in that shootout because that means USC's offense is rolling. But there is such thing as like a 38 or 41 point shootout where both teams are are putting up points and then when they don't put up points because they did something sloppy. Like if turnovers are the story of this game, like right. if if it's just suddenly chaos, then you're then that's the shootout that Oregon State could win. Yeah. But the problem that I see here for Oregon State, and and this is going to be the question we're going to be asking sort of this whole time, is Oregon State is good enough to maybe push USC. Are they good enough to beat USC And you look down the personnel and I don't know that I see enough there to make me think there are like game breakers to keep up on offense while also causing enough chaos on defense to completely fluster the, 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 the Trojan offense on the other side. Like we talked like chance Nolan, he's a, he's a good game manager. Like he manages the game. He torched USC last year. Yeah. Um, so, like, he obviously can get the job done. They have two, you know, good running backs, but they don't have B.J. Baylor, who was their top running back last year. Mm-hmm. Um, they have Trishon Harrison, decent receiver. Tyjon Lindsay is still in college and playing for Oregon State. Hasn't done a lot this <laughs> year, but that's a name that USC fans might recognize. Um, and they have an offensive line that returns three starters from last year. They're all pretty much getting preseason All-Pac-12 uh, recognition. The left tackle and the right guard got second team recognition, so like they have a basis there on offense. Yeah, but it but you need something special to. And so, but
0: here's here's where I'll put you push back.
3: Uh, the the
0: thing is, they're not playing in they're not playing in a vacuum, and USC's offense is not like in a vacuum. USC's offense much better than Oregon State's offense. I don't think anyone disagrees with that. I mm-hmm. think you. You take probably just about every starter on USC's roster on offense. You take them over Oregon State's 100%. We all agree. Oregon State people will would absolutely agree. Jonathan Smith's going to agree. Everyone agrees, right? But that's not what the game is. The game is what is Oregon State going to do against USC's defense? And what is USC going to do against Oregon State's defense? Well, I have a and rebuttal. It, well, hold, hold on. Okay. When, when you look at SC's defense giving up, and they're 80th in the country in available yards allowed. And they just played a game against Stanford two weeks ago on the road, the only road game that they've played thus far. And if it wasn't for two red zone turnovers that they got in that game, you can make the the, the argument that they lose that game. Despite the offense being completely infallible in the first half, I think it's, I, I think that it's hard to say that there's not pl- enough playmakers on this team to beat SC. There is because they're playing USC's defense, which is not infallible.
3: Yes, but USC's offense is also playing Oregon State's defense, and this is not a particularly yes. great defense. Which I agree. Is the, which is the problem. Like. Oregon State is better than they were a couple years ago when they had like right. the worst defense but we that, that anyone seen, has seen.
0: We haven't seen SC turn the ball over yet.
3: Yes. But that's
0: not going to be the case the entire season. But
3: also, even if you turn the ball over, if you are if you are absolutely just scoring at will, you need to turn the ball over a lot for it to be something that counterbalances going the other way. So here's my problem with Oregon State. Like I said, their defense is not as terrible where they were ranked in the 120th and everything a couple of years ago when we, when we had to preview, but like they're vulnerable. They gave up, they, they gave up 492 yards to Fresno state. They gave up 6.5 yards per play to Fresno state. Yeah. Um, they ranked 71st in rushing yards per carry last year. They ranked 93rd in passing defense last year. They ranked 66th in passing defensive, uh, defensive passer rating last year. They ranked, and this is the one that I think is going to be circle it and remember it while you're watching the game. They ranked 127th in third down conversion defense last year. They gave up 50.3% of the third downs that they, that they faced last year. They couldn't get off the field and they haven't considerably gotten better because against uh, Boise state, they get, they did hold them to four of 13, but they still gave up six of 14 to Fresno state. I think that there's still a a 50-50 on third down kind of defense. Um, I don't know that they have the, the ability to get off the field against this USC team, against this USC offense, unless it rains and... People drop footballs and crazy stuff happens, which I always have to account for because I watch yes, enough college football for sure to know that it does rain and it does get windy and that people do drop passes inexplicably and there is chaos. And that's why we love college football. But I think when you're going into this game, you also have to realize like that the matchups here don't necessarily favor Fresno State. If you say, okay, how many points, sorry, Oregon State, how many points. Better than USC's defense is Fresno State's offense capable of? Of Oregon State's offense capable of being? I don't know that that number is bigger than how many points better USC's offense is capable of being against Oregon State's defense. And and again, I like I want to I want to be fair to Oregon State. They have a couple uh, All Pac-12 um, uh, preseason guys like the Nickelback Jaden Grant. Uh, he was 13 all pack 12 last year. He had, you know, two interceptions and six PBUs and two forced fumbles and three tackles for loss. Like he's a guy that you got to watch out for. He plays um, Omar Spates, their leading linebacker. He plays, he had uh, 89 tackles, five tackles for loss last year, two interceptions, one pass pass breakup, two QB hurries. He's, he's everywhere on the field. Um, the, the, uh, cornerback Rajon Wright last year, 52 tackles, two tackles for loss, a sack, eight, pass breakups, two quarterback hurries, one forced fumble. So there are some havoc guys. There are some guys who are creating turnovers. This defense does create turnovers. They have eight turnovers through three games. So there are potentially those areas for things to go wrong for USC. But there are also areas where they have to go wrong for USC if Oregon State wants a chance in this. And I think that's why I'm sort of looking at it and thinking like this is, Danger zone. USC has to take this seriously. Yeah, but if USC plays a clean game, that's my my big my big sort of takeaway from this game. If USC plays clean, uh, that means for me on defense, keep keep guys in front of you. If Oregon State's going to score, make them go on long drives. Just make them go on long methodical drives. Don't let them rip off mm-hmm. you know fifty yard plays and 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 beat you that way. Right. Force them to be perfect on offense um and 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 going the other way just take care of the ball take care of the ball don't give uh don't give Oregon State opportunities for chaos plays if you can help it and on special teams cover your kicks that's it just cover your kicks like don't 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 let this game become about chaos if USC does that I think they win comfortably
0: yeah the the way I look at this if SC plays their potential Uh, They cover the spread and win by a couple touchdowns.
3: Hey, if USC plays to to their potential, they they blow them out. I think Uh, they they win by what twenty? Yeah, sure. Yeah, if
0: Oregon State wins by their potential, plays up to their potential, they win the football game. Comparatively, the same way, right? The difference is SC playing their potential wins in a sizable manner USC and playing. Oregon State wins in a very close game. Here's the, and the problem. And the reality is where does the line in, in the middle is you split the difference on that and that's SC still winning the game.
3: But the right? equation is still Oregon State playing to 100% of their potential beats USC if USC has played to less than 50% of their potential. Well, but if sure, USC but plays, plays how, to 75% of works. their potential yes. and Oregon State plays 100% of their potential then USC, I think, still win. like that's this is the this is the equation that USC's in.
0: I, I'm just saying that, like, I'm going in this game, to, assuming SC's winning in a blowout, no, is I don't think you, stupid. I,
3: no, anyone who thinks USC's winning in a blowout, I love your confidence. But this is still a long road trip up north where I just looked up the weather, it's not going to be bad. It's going to be, it, it looks like there's like 2% chance of rain. Um, shouldn't be heavy clouds or anything like it's not going to be inclement weather or anything like that but it's still the pacific northwest you just you don't know what's going to go on there i think if you go into this game thinking that usc is going to roll um and expect that to happen you might be disappointed yeah but i also don't think you need to go into this game thinking like oh usc is going to no there's a middle ground. it's going to get humbled by oregon state i think it's always best to come in with the middle ground of oregon state might make this very difficult for USC, and if usc if USC doesn't uh, stay on their P's and Q's, then Oregon State will be capable of upsetting USC. That is at one hundred percent there.
0: I, I, I think we can. Before we get to the over under, I think we s- summarize this all and let's see if we just we agree on these little points. Yeah. A. Oregon State is capable if things fall their way of beating SC. You yes. Agree? B. Uh, if SC plays their potential uh they're absolutely capable of winning this big yes right um and and the reality uh, of this is this is a dress rehearsal for the Utah game i uh, in in 2 weeks 3 weeks
3: can you handle being on the road and and
0: and because it's a dress rehearsal for the Utah game which we is a more difficult opponent you need to prove that you can play in this game uh, and this is the toughest of the four games that SC has played thus far. They, they've all kind of ramped up in difficulty it's a been bit a in step, different
3: ways. It's been a step, you know, and that's the nice thing about this start is it really has been a little bit harder, a little bit harder, a little bit harder. Next week it's going to, not not follow that pattern anymore (laughs) but like this has been a really interesting first four games because yeah you are checking off boxes and you are raising your difficulty it's like a video game where it's like every every boss you play is slightly harder than than the last boss you played yeah and then asu comes to that and then asu yes
0: all right alicia let's get into some over under and make some picks
2: you're going over. I'm feeling bold. Give me that over.
0: I'll go under. I
2: got to take an under here. I got three
0: unders to take. I'm going to do an under here. Our record after last week was 15 and 10. Your record was 15 and 10. Mine was 11 and 14. So let's let's make some lines that allow me to win. Okay, please. What's your your first one?
3: All right. I've got 5.5 Oregon State rushes of 10 plus yards. So USC ranks 97th in long rushing plays allowed. They've let seventeen rushes of more than ten yards happen this year. They're hundred and twenty fifth with five rushes allowed of thirty plus yards. Yeah, so small sample size, but hundred and twenty fifth is not where you want to be in any statistical category. Basically, USC is averaging five point six six rushing plays of ten plus yards per game. Oregon State is not is not like exceptionally. Um, not exceptionally explosive. They are less explosive than they were last year with B.J. Baylor. They've had 20 rushes of 10-plus yards, two rushes of 30-plus yards this year. They're averaging 6.6 rushes of 10-plus yards per game this year. So I'm setting that line at 5.5 Oregon State rushes of 10-plus yards. 5.5.
0: That feels like a lot.
3: Mm. But we've seen USC's rushing uh. Yeah, defense. like I <laughs> it it Yeah. Give give me the over. Okay. Yeah,
0: give me give, give okay. me the give me the over there. Feels like a lot, but but also that I mean six to get it. Uh, mm, I don't know. That yeah. That's a good line. This will
3: be interesting too because I'm very curious to see what Grinch like the chess match. In this game, because I think that USC could go, in, go into this game thinking like we're just gonna go all out to stop the run, but we've seen that Oregon State can pass on you like that. That's where they 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 were beating USC with with passes and with sweeps and with sort of misdirection plays in the backfield. I really so-
0: want to see what what they do with those because the. We know SC is susceptible to misdirection and the fly sweeps. They absolutely killed SC on last year. Obviously it's a different team, different defense, but right. a lot of the same personnel.
3: Yeah. Um, and a similarly, I mean, Alex Grinch doesn't have the same defense as Todd Orlando, but they are not drastically different yeah. in terms of the, the philosophical defense that they're fielding. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. I'm going to regret that over undertaking the over. Yeah. Uh, Mostly because, like, if fly sweeps were included in that, I'd feel better it, about yeah, it. fly so sweeps. Technically, I think count pass. <laughs> we
3: might have to have, yeah. have, to have a, um, a, a, a stupid statistical bad beats conversation again next week.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. My first over and under is 177.5. That's Oregon State rushing yards. This line is perfect because I love it. 177.5 Oregon State rushing yards. Why? Because Oregon State is at rest for exactly 178 against both of their FBS opponents, Boise State and Fresno State. They had 214 last week against Montana State. And SC is allowing 177 yards per game uh, on the ground. So 177.5. Split the difference. Oregon State's (laughs) average, USC's average, uh, 177.5 rushing yards for Oregon State. What do you got?
3: By the way, they had they, against Boise State and Fresno State, they had identical rushing lines. They had 178 yards, average 4.8 yards per carry and had 37 carries. So just just point that out. Uh, consistency. Um, yeah yeah, so this one, I am inclined to take the over on this because I, I'm inclined to always take the over when we're talking about rush defense until that changes. but I got burned mm-hmm. last week. Because of the sack thing, you have you have listed here that Oregon State is only allowed two sacks. Yeah, this is a, a an offensive line that has been pretty stout. So I don't know that. Uh, I mean, USC could come out with a five sack game as well. I don't. I don't know. I'm still going to go over, but I am going to be worried about another bad beat on the. Uh, you know, it feels like they gave up 200 yards rushing, but. The stat sheet says 175. (laughs) All
0: right. This this is going to be interesting because you take the over on the rushing yards, but the under on the chunk plays. Yeah. So we we might end up splitting that or maybe it works out. I don't know. We'll we'll see. Yeah. Uh, What's what's your next one? All
3: right. I've got 0.5 USC turnovers. Uh, This one's pretty simple, straightforward. USC has gone three games without a turnover. Oregon State is plus eight in turnovers. They have six interceptions and two fumble recoveries. Um, for the record, they have lost three turnovers this year. So their turnover margin is five, but, uh, they are creating turnovers in the, in a way that like Fresno state came in, not being able to create that many turnovers. So will USC get to four games without a turnover?
0: No, I, I think that that f- that four is a lot. The SC has not done, had four in a row since, uh, I believe 2013, 14? 2014.
3: Yeah. I, I, I was tempted to make it 1.5. Um, to just make it interesting, but I kind of wanted to just go with the cleanliness of like of, of the zero. I think there's a good chance that USC um, has a turnover in this game, but we have seen USC protect the ball fairly well, so we'll see if Caleb can get it done for me.
0: All right, uh, next one. Over and under 49.5% field position rate for USC. This means the percentage of plays USC runs on the Oregon State side of the fifty. USC ran 49% of their plays in Stanford territory and 65% of their plays in Fresno State territory. So 49.5. Can they get to 50% of their plays in Oregon State territory? USC, again, fourth in available yards, uh, which means 89%. They're getting 89% of their yards uh, from the start of the drive until the opponent's 40 yard line, for reference. This is
3: tough because. So the rate is the is is, is number of plays to plays on the yards. other side of the
0: fifty. Yeah, not drives, not yards. The number of so plays.
3: like if USC was scoring like long, like if USC had a long touchdown run that was like sixty yards, then that wouldn't it count. would be zero. That yeah, be if zero they scored plays. on only
0: seventy five yard touchdowns, that would be zero because they would have never co- technically crossed the fifty to run a play.
3: Hmm. Um, I'm gonna go. Over on this. Okay. I I think there's a world where USC does have a situation where they're too explosive and they don't get this, but but I, also like I could see USC being very explosive, but not explosive in the sense of getting into the end zone. Like right. I could I c like my first instinct is to say USC will like start at the 30 and then have a twenty yard play to get across the fifty and then have to more methodically move. So I'm gonna go over. Yeah.
0: Yeah, this is that. It's such a difficult line that I'm. I'm glad I'm not the one setting it. Yeah. So, or not the one Picking having it. to pick. Yeah. So, yeah.
3: All right, my next one is 38.5 Oregon State third down percentage. So USC's defense is actually doing a very good job on third down statistically. Um, that first game felt very bad at first, and and there were times where it felt like USC hasn't been able to get, been able to get off the field, but Across the board they're actually quite good with 33.3% uh conversions allowed on third down. Stanford has the season high so far with 38.45, which is why I set the line at 38.5. Oregon State is averaging 45.7% on third down, but that is helped extremely much a lot by the Montana State game where they had 83.3% complete I mean uh, conversions on third down. Against Boise State, they had 30.7. Against Fresno, they had 20. They were a good third-down team last year. They've been a little bit more of a struggle bus in the FBS games they've played this year. So will USC's defense be able to get off the field?
2: Hmm.
0: 38.5% Oregon third-down percentage. I, I usually tend to think that like 40% is usually the given there. Oregon State at home, does that give them the edge to get to that 40%? Uh, Stanford being at 38.45 makes it...
3: uh, The tricky thing here mm. is that we've seen from USC's defense that in the first half, they're letting third downs go a lot. But in the second half, they've really clamped down. Now, part of that is they're getting stops, key stops. Part of that is other teams are pressing it, it just, it's tricky. You
0: know what? Give me the under.
3: Okay. Going Give under. me the under.
0: Yeah. I'm trying to think of like, I'm, I'm trying to line things up here. And I think the, the under might line up with what my score prediction is going to be.
3: Okay.
0: Yeah. All right. Uh, last over under from me is 150.5 combined penalty yardage for both teams. SC is 103rd in penalty yards per game. 71.3. Oregon State is 117th in penalty yardage per game. 76.7. A reminder that uh only bad teams commit penalties is bullshit. Uh and this is Pac 12 after dark on at 730 uh, sorry, six thirty uh, on the Pac 12 network, things are gonna get nuts, you know. So 150. 0.5 combined I'm, penalty yards.
3: I may regret this because 150 combined is quite a lot um, and you could have a situation where like USC has like 120 penalty yards but for whatever reason Oregon State doesn't get hit but I'm still going over on this big over smash the over button uh, just because it's Pac-12 after dark it is USC it is Pac-12 refs and yeah.
0: Alright. Alright. Let's 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 buckle up roll, roll. Roll your sleeves up. Yeah. Uh, let Let's go to. Uh, we're gonna We're gonna pull out an over under from from the chat from from Alex, who says over under USC allows twenty point seven points for the entire game. So say like twenty and a half. I think works. Yeah. Right. Twenty.
3: Twenty. We can go point twenty
0: point seven. It might be might be a little funny, right?
3: Okay, we'll go twenty point seven. Yeah. Points that USC allows. For the in, entire
0: game. Over
3: under. Oh, oh, I'm taking the over. Um, my prediction will will reveal why.
0: Yeah, I'm taking the over as well. I I think hey, Oregon State scores they, scores some points.
3: They held Fresno State to seventeen, so we know they can do it. They could they could replicate the performance they had against Fresno State, and mm-hmm. then you know, we give we're gonna give them all the praise in the world. I'm just not gonna bet on it. So All right.
0: Let's get to game predictions. Uh, let's talk about the, uh, Bill Connolly numbers has SC winning 31, uh, 59% win rate. Uh, the Vegas line, what's the Vegas
3: line at right now? Minus 6.5, 6.5. Okay. Not you, minus 65. I, as I had I was in- to say, it's
0: <laughs> minus 65 in the rundown. I'm like, it's definitely not 65. <laughs> uh, yeah. Which, uh, you do the math with the over under is 38, 32, which eh, seems not terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what's your prediction USC and Oregon State Saturday night?
3: All right, I am going USC 45, Oregon State 35. I think USC covers. I think Oregon State scores, but I think they can't keep up with USC's offense in the in the grand scheme against that defense. Um, I think it maybe gets a little bit nervy wild um, in the second quarter and starts to make things feel like scary. I think USC gets a 10 point cushion by the third quarter and they do that thing where oregon state never gets closer than two scores
0: okay i i could see it absolutely uh i i think my prediction is not too dissimilar um and might end up playing out either way mm-hmm. i see this game as a very close game for a lot of it uh at least in terms of the eye test right like both teams kind of um, having their way at times in terms of what they want to do offensively. The difference being here, I think everything that that I look at when you look at Oregon State's offense, they are the number one team in the country in red zone offense. Uh, they score on every drive that they get into the red zone. They just don't get in the red zone a million times. SC gets into the red zone a million times, which is part of the reason why SC's score rate uh, is not uh, not perfect because they get in the the red zone a million times. What was the difference last week in the Fresno State game? Fresno State got to the red zone four times, only scored once. I think Oregon State's going to be a little bit better in the red zone, and that's going to allow them to stay in this game longer. They score on fewer number of total drives than SC does. SC adds a field goal in there, wins by a field goal, 38-35. Oregon State covers at home in a wild, crazy Pac-12 after dark game. That I think was going to be fun as hell to watch from a neutral perspective. Yeah, but no, not from but our perspective. I genuinely don't know if this is like a late cover or this is SC pulling a rabbit out of the hat and and winning the game outright at the end. I can see it either way. My my gut is that it's a late cover for Oregon State here, but um, yeah, I think it's going to be a, a great game that lives up to the hype of the upset potential and all that stuff. But SC still gets the win. So. There we go. Uh, let's go to the mailbag. Uh, we got a, a long email from John who says, Greetings, Michael and Alicia. Love your show and all the great information you provide. It's such an easy-to-listen format. Thank you for the shout-out to the Trojan March team band. I love your use of the band music for the intro. USC football and the sounds of TMB are absolutely intertwined. It's one of the greatest packages in all of college football. I'm a small-town Montana boy who came to USC for a master's degree in music education, marching with the TMB in 1980. Became a Trojan for life during the pregame show of our opening game against the University of South Carolina. I was in the middle of the the field preparing to move into position as the band creates the big USC. We struck up the fight song, Traveler came shooting out of the tunnel, and 78,000 Trojan faithful let out a cheer of such volume and magnitude that I was stunned I actually stopped marching for a couple beats and yelled, oh my gosh, at the top of my voice. Fortunately, my squad leader brought me back up to my job by keeping, by shouting, keep marching, keep marching. And for several more measures of music, I looked around at all the pageantry and was unable to play and barely able to keep my composure as I marched into position. I was transformed at that moment. From then on, I was given birth as a member of the spirit of Troy and a full-on USC Trojan. It was great hearing that you two in particular are fans of the band, so I appreciate your work at Reign of Troy. By the way, um, I have a really cool tidbit of TMB information about our performance in Tusk. That'd be cool to know. Oh, yeah. uh, I'd be happy to tell you about it if you're interested. Thanks again for all your imp- efforts and your wonderful podcast. Every show is listened to with great interest here in Big Sky Country. After my degree, I returned to Montana and finished a wonderful 42-year career in music education thanks to the amazing teaching provided by my alma mater fight on John class of 1981
3: yeah thank you for that email John um I uh, number one congratulations on your long career in, in music education a big fan of teachers and also music teachers even though I was never musically talented I've always felt that like those are the teachers that really inspire people um, to be creative and and just sort of be, like tap into those parts of themselves, which I really like. Um, your story about falling in love with USC is really uh, relatable to me because I have like had uh, like 10 of those moments of like the first time I walked through the tunnel, to go into the state, into the Coliseum, like just through the, the tunnel that we go, that you go through as like a, as somebody in this, in the audience, like yeah. walking out into the, the stadium in the audience. Yeah. The crowd <laughs> was having trouble here. Uh, the crowd, like just that, that moment of like, Oh, the first time I heard the um, conquest with the people singing along at night under the lights in just like the aura of the Coliseum Just, uh, all of it. There's, there's those moments. The first time I walked out from the tunnel while I was working on the field, like everything, you just, you just feel it. And it continues to, um, to inspire and and build that love for USC that we all have. So yeah, thank you for the email.
0: Yeah, it is a great email. Good to always hear the, uh, the insights from the band and, and what that feels like. Um, it's awesome. And, uh, and hopefully, uh, that inspires you guys to to also li- listening to, to be big fans of the band as well. Yeah. Uh, let's go to a couple of YouTube comments that we got uh, about a conversation we had in the last episode. Uh, this is about Hail Mary interceptions. So Anthony says, Hail Mary interceptions shouldn't count, in quotes. I have to disagree with this statement, particularly concerning Malcolm Epps' interception. Yes, he could have knocked down the pass, but Fresno State would have had a chance to catch it. That interception was not only uh, a a more secure stop, but extremely important. If SC doesn't make that stop, they go into the half up only 21-17, and Fresno State would have gotten the ball back at the beginning of the third quarter with a chance to take the lead. That interception absolutely should count, and it was not insignificant. Ted Idol comes in and says, facts, I don't understand how they don't see that that interception was a big shift in tone for the rest of the game. Saying Hail Mary picks within the game shouldn't count is asinine. And knocking it down while in traffic can lead to other types of situations that could have went in Fresno State's favor. Alicia, I think I speak for both of us when I say that we fully agree on all of those things, right? Yes,
3: I, I think this is a case of... Um of of some listeners hearing us say something in like uh, in, in and then taking it out of context and not on purpose but I think that sometimes you just hear things and then your brain sort of runs with but it was important for USC when like that wasn't really what we were discussing that wasn't really what we were meaning when we said that interception right. like it's really just like we were talking about statistical bad beats like I wasn't thinking about it from the perspective of like USC's defense and how important it was for them. I was thinking from it from the perspective of you and I do research every week into quarterbacks and when we look and see, oh, last week so and so had an interception, that might change like our perception of how USC might go forward against that quarterback without the context of knowing that that interception was a halftime Hail Mary that was heaved and put up for somebody to catch it. It didn't really matter who.
0: Yeah. Um and a halftime Hail Mary is yeah if we're talking about indictment in uh, interceptions are indictments of a quarterback, right? Yeah. But in terms of the level of indictment of a interception, a halftime Hail Mary is the least significant indictment of all time. Yes. Nobody cares. Yeah, yeah. Nobody cares about that as as a quarterback. That's what I'm talking about. It shouldn't count for the court. Like it, yeah. it's a, it's a bummer that it counts for the quarterback. Obviously it should count in the game. And obviously it was an important moment for the, for, for how the game played out. And, for Malcolm Epps, it's awesome that he got a, an interception and a touchdown in the same game. Yeah. That is the coolest thing ever, right? Yes. The only yeah. two times that it's happened in the, since 1990 that you pointed out last week. So, yeah, that's awesome. Um, but this is just our little gripe with statistics. And, and me yeah. talking about last week that I would love it if intercep- there were such things as earned interceptions and unearned interceptions like runs in baseball where yeah. – a pitcher gives up runs, but also unearned runs, and like the ERA is based on unearned unearn, uh,
3: runs. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's all we were talking about. Like yeah. we get it. Sometimes, sometimes um, things will be misunderstood, but yeah, we we weren't trying to take anything yeah. away from the defense. We might have misspoke. It was a big moment for the defense. Like they, they, yeah. they, it really, I think it really galvanized the team going into the into the into halftime, and that matters. But we're yeah. we're talking purely like just nitpicky statistical stuff, so. Sorry. Yeah. All right. Uh
0: we've been on for an hour and 11 minutes. Uh we little inside baseball we we do racing on Wednesday nights. A uh, little F1 uh, <laughs> uh what, what's, what's what they changed the name of the game. It's F122 now, Yeah, right?
3: whatever it is. Uh
0: we're in a little racing league with a few of our friends. So, uh we're going to do some rapid fire so we can go and uh finish our season tonight's the last race of the season. So, uh, really quick, we're gonna run down through all these questions, uh, here in YouTube. So if we're running through these quickly, um, and uh, and you want a fuller answer, maybe ask next time. We don't want to uh,
3: shortchange you. Yeah,
0: shortchange you. But, uh, Josh says, how does Oregon State have the manpower to? Sl- does Oregon State have the manpower to slow down the USC passing attack? Depends I don't what you mean by slow
3: down. I don't think they do. Um, if if uh, if Caleb is not. Putting the ball in danger spots.
0: Yeah, Fresno State slowed it down in the sense that they made SC not have to have the long bombs, but SC still scored touchdowns. So yeah, you know what I mean. So yeah. it could be in that sense, but not really. Uh, Oscar says, "How many turnovers will SC get?" I don't know. I, I think we're we're going to see in the game. Oregon State turned over the ball three times against Boise State, but haven't in the last two games. Have to think. Each team might get a turnover. Anything mm-hmm. beyond that is a is a question at this point.
3: If I had said an over under of point five for USC turnovers that they created on defense, I would take the over. But you just never know.
0: Yeah, uh, Josh says six sick, ha- sick hats. Thank you. I I like my hats, and it's an LAFC hat, which best LA logo there is. Uh, certainly better than, logo. That, than that uh, that that blue logo uh s k says uh does anyone know how Bobby Haskins is doing? We talked about his, he's in practice. I was able to practice this week for the Trojans, which is a good thing.
3: Steven says chicken wing preference bone in or boneless it matters. Michael's gonna upset some folks here, but I have the correct answer it's bone in uh the answer
0: is no chicken should ever be consumed with bone in bone in anything is disgusting. We're humans we're not savages. So
3: that's and that's a Michael food take. No, it's not.
0: Uh, Daniel says, um, "If you stacked Clay Helton on top of Scott Frost, do the two stacked bad coaches, or is it one big bad coach?"
3: <laughs> this this literally made me laugh early in the episode. If you see, if you go back and watch <laughs> the start of the show, and you see me randomly just like, like, like have to hold in a laugh, that's what I was laughing about. That's a that's an outstanding question. Um, the answer would be. But you one. would but It'd no, you would have two stacked <laughs> two stacked coaches, yes.
0: Uh Josh says, who on Oregon State's offense is Grinch going to focus on uh the, the most? Probably one of the, probably one of the running
3: backs. I would I would focus on the run game. Yeah.
0: Uh David says, uh, why are you guys talking about OSU as if it's, as if it's Bama or something? I don't think we are at
3: all we're allowed to praise another team without it with like, we get this complaint like every week. Uh, so not to single you out, David, but also like it's the Oregon state preview. We're going to talk about the other team and what they do well, because what they do well is going to be the thing that's going to decide the game. So,
0: well, one of the, the known things that we get two types of feedback, we get the feedback. Oh my God. You're making every team sound like Alabama. They suck. Or we get the feedback, uh, like in other words, we're we're, we're having a negative viewpoint uh, going into whatever it is. Or it's, did you see how bad USC's defense is? This te- this team is terrible. You're yeah. you're ridiculous for being a sunshine pumper uh, and all this, um, and talking about how good USC is. So like, we get it from both sides, and it never makes any sense to me because I think that for the most part we're very objective and down the middle on most of these arguments. But so we can't please everyone. We can't please right. everyone. That's how it is. Um, let's go to Hokey P who says, Alicia, can you remind people to hit the bell? So they hit the notification. You guys go live. Yes. Hit the bell. Be sure to, to like, and subscribe. If you have watched us this far, if you're one of the 84 people that are still on us right now, we will take one quick second. One second. For you to go down over there somewhere somewhere
3: yeah in the and vicinity hit the subscribe okay ready hit subscribe there you go boom you got it and then hit the bell so that you get notified when we go live yeah so that you never miss these episodes yeah 100
0: uh joey says can uh forgive me for thinking ahead but if usc beats oregon state this week would washington state be considered a trap game no i do not mean asu because i think <laughs> regardless there is no way ha ha yeah, uh, SC is not losing to ASU and I think there's there's two games on the schedule that I might predict SC scoring 70 points. ASU is one of them. Mm-hmm. They're not losing that game. I will drink a gallon of mustard on this podcast if SC loses to Arizona State.
3: But if USC beats Oregon State, especially if they beat Oregon State going away and then they get to play ASU and they get to, you know, just put up whatever statistical insanity points that they want to would I look at Washington State, a team that is and 3-0 right now, could be 4-0? I forget who they play, but they—they they, I think they play um, Oregon. So, like, if they win this week or challenge Oregon and USC is feeling good coming off that ASU game and USC knows that Utah is coming up the week after, there's certainly look-ahead potential there, let-down-look-ahead sort of situation. Yes. So... Um, what I consider it a trap game. If Oregon state is undefeated, I I would, I would you know, like semantics there. Like can you, mean you beat, Washington state? Yeah. Sorry. Washington state. But, I, uh, but definitely a game that you cannot take as lightly as I think you might have at the start of the season. Cause Washington state looks yeah, decent.
0: If, if, if Washington state is undefeated at that point, having beaten Oregon, I think that yes, you absolutely have to take them completely seriously. Yeah. Um. Although, Yes, I think it has the meanings of a trap game. I'm kind of apprehensive to have a trap game at home. I think of trap game on the road as being scarier. Um, but remember when we talked about earlier this you know earlier this month about how the teams, the coaches who have won national championships in recent years, how they've all, all have lost games yeah. in year 1? They've all been at home. Yeah. So if SC is going to have that slip up, it could happen at home because Nick Saban lost at home in year one uh, at Ogeron. I mean, lost a lot of games, but lost at home in year one at LSU. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that was when lost at home at, at Clemson in, in year one. Like that's just, a, could happen. I, I, I don't know that I completely see Washington state to be that team, but maybe who knows. Uh, all right. Last question from Alex. Will Gary Bryant Jr. Stop practicing with the team this season?
3: That, I don't know that that, that has been answered. Um, he They didn't say he was leaving the team. So for now, I think we have to assume he'd be practicing.
0: Yeah, 100%. Um, until we hear anything otherwise, uh, that's that just is what it is. So, all right. Um, that's going to wrap up this podcast. Uh, we will be back on Saturday, USC and Oregon State, 6.30 p.m., which means we'll probably be going live around like 10 o'clock or something. Whatever it is after the game, be sure to uh, follow us on Twitter at, at Reign of Troy. Uh, follow me individually, MichaelCastFS, Alicia individually, Penguin of Troy. Uh, and uh, we'll let you know when we go live exactly after the game
3: for our post game car cast. Um, be sure to subscribe. Also, and you will know when we go live as well. Josh, number one, there is no universe where I will chug mustard if USC destroys the Beavers. That is not happening. No. Um, number two, I just ask your other question. Uh, I, we will hit you up on Slack about that. Yes, yeah,
0: for sure. All right, guys.
3: Till then, see ya. See ya.
0: See ya.